Blog Talk Radio. Learn how to take your caring and giving farther with the Caring and Funding Podcast powered by Cap America. Cap America, America's leader in cross-border philanthropy, helps corporations, foundations, wealth advisors, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management program and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact and ensure their gifts are made in a safe and effective manner. This caring and funding podcast is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. Our guests are leaders in their field who join us to share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of CAF America. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at capamerica.org, on iTunes, and now just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of CAF America's Caring and Funding Podcast, Ted Hart. And welcome here to this latest edition of the Caring and Funding Podcast. This is a special series, The Front Lines of Philanthropy. The latest report, uh, The Voice of Charities Facing COVID-19 Worldwide, Volume 3, has now been released. It provides a sobering window into the current state of philanthropic sector worldwide. What we found, what CAF America found, is that one-third of responding organizations find that they are very likely to be forced to close their doors within the next 12 months. Another third don't actually know chaos. Will they be able to keep their doors open? Will they not? And the third, feel that they're confident that they will be able to survive the pandemic. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome back here to the Caring and Funding Podcast, our Senior Vice President of External Affairs, Jesse Kraft. Jesse, thank you for joining us again today. And today here on the podcast, what I'd like to do is get right into a day in the life of of Jesse Kraft. Yeah, during this global pandemic, we want to try to learn what it's been like uh, to be Jesse Kraft during this global pandemic and the changes that uh, you have seen uh, to philanthropy. So welcome back, Jesse. Thank you, Ted. Um, yeah, first of all, I think, you know, it's it's certainly been a challenge for, for me and the rest of our team here. We've been incredibly busy over the last few months um, responding to inquiries coming from all different directions around um, different funding priorities and, and concerns from both our charities and donors about how their work will continue um, within this, this new context. So a day-to-day what we're doing right now is currently still, which I think is a great was, is great news. We're running our current grant cycles. We're we're continuing to manage programs, and donors are continuing to fund programs that they normally would, which uh, is is really positive and hopefully a, has been a ray of hope for some of the charities that have been struggling. Is that the, these normal programs are continuing. On top of that, we're also managing the COVID-19 grant cycles themselves that, that many of our donors have, have begun processing or are well into processing. Um, so that's, that's on top of the normal work that we have. And then another interesting result of all of this um, and something that our charities have really appreciated is that on top of all both of those items, we're also working on with these charities managing and modifying their prior grant purposes 
that, that are in agreements with us to accommodate this new reality. So there are, of course, situations where charities have been unable to complete projects as, as they previously had hoped because of the, uh, the social distancing requirements or um, lack of funding or different hurdles that we'll talk about later that, that they've run into. So that is, has also taken a significant amount of time, just renegotiating these new projects or renegotiating new timelines. But it's really something that uh, our charity partners have, have appreciated immensely that we're willing to work with them on those things because they come to us with a lot of anxiety in asking those questions about whether we would be open to modifying, um, modifying that work. So, so those three tasks make up quite a bit of our days here. Um, and we've, we're also working on some really interesting questions around what can we fund. Um, and and we're, we're known for our creativity um, in making sure that we're funding things that are compliant with U.S. regulations, um, but are also meeting the philanthropic strategies of our donors. Jesse, in our last uh, podcast, you and I spent a fair amount of time uh, focusing in on regulatory compliance during a global pandemic, which, uh, as you pointed out, uh, there are some donors, their heart is in the right place, uh, who just want things to move quickly and, and sort of think that, well, maybe the IRS either uh, has wiped away regulation or uh, has, looks the other way. Is, is, is that what you're talking about? To some extent, yes, um, but I think one interesting area that we've been asked about quite a bit is funding uh, small businesses that are struggling themselves that, you know, aren't charities and, and is a very non-traditional way of grant making, but um, we have donors that are interested in, in making grants or loans to small businesses, and that, that's a very difficult endeavor, um, uh, so it's, it's something that we've been talking about with, with a lot of donors as well. Uh, how how is that possible? Is it is that charitable? It can be. So um, the the primary thing that you have to focus on in those situations is what is that you understand exactly what that money would be utilized for to ensure that there is a charitable purpose behind it, and then there has to be a really detailed uh, selection process. So typically in these scenarios, we would be funding an organization that is undertaking a selection process for making these, these small sustainability grants, and, and we're ensuring that therefore purposes such as, you know, uh, funding, um, funding the sustainability of, of a business itself so that they don't so that their employees aren't aren't suffering or that they're not going under. So there there are a lot of really complicated questions to answer in that type of funding. Mm -hmm. um, but we ultimately have to really make sure that mm -hmm. that selection process is um, not biased and is focused on charitability. So these are some special aspects of IRS. Uh, tax code. This is not wiping away the tax code. Again, going no, back to yes. uh, CAF America assisting with regulatory compliance. Absolutely. I'm, we're going to uh, welcome uh, again here to the Caring and Funding uh, podcast, uh, Lauren Previty, Senior Director of Donor Services. Welcome back, Lauren. Thanks, Ted. Uh, Jesse and I were just talking about difficult things uh, that uh, need to be managed uh, anytime, but certainly during a global pandemic. And, Lauren, we were talking earlier about something that just really stuck in, in my mind, and, and that is uh, working with a, a donor funding 
uh, human trafficking, uh, anti-human trafficking, uh, trying to manage that kind of charitable work with social distancing. So how do you fund a charity who is trying to help people get, you know, away from human trafficking during COVID-19 global pandemic? Can you help us learn from that experience and learn from that kind of charitable activity? Definitely. It's, it's a really interesting example. Earlier this year, we funded an organization that focuses on ending human trafficking and really implementing those programs in very rural parts of India. Um, so after a few months of the grant, they reached out to us for permission to, to put their project on pause because, unfortunately, they have been unable to travel to the regions where they would traditionally implement their activities. Um, so as Jesse described a few moments ago, you know, we really worked closely with the organization um, to adjust the timelines of the activities that they were um, planning to implement. But then we started having conversations with them around, you know, how can we adjust the programming to help you implement these activities? It's such important work, and we, we want to make sure that you have all the resources available to you. Um, so as some of the travel restrictions in their area have started to ease, um, the organization has been able to start implementing their project again, but now with funding focused on some different aspects of their activities. Um, so they've needed to gain access to personal protective equipment so they can have one-on-one -on -one, um, you know, interactions with their beneficiaries in a safe and healthy way. Um, and they've also invested some of their funds into publishing materials that would otherwise um, be delivered in person. Um, so these are just some examples of how we've really worked with you know, this organization that otherwise is always implementing their activities one-on-one -on -one and helping them to, to adjust you know, given some of the social distancing measures and the lockdown measures in, in countries around the world. Lauren, this sounds like it's uh, akin to the topic that Jesse uh, was talking about earlier uh, in, uh, in this podcast, uh, this changing of grant purpose. Um, tell me a little bit more about what that is and how does that get initiated? Does the, the donor initiate that? Does the charity initiate that? How do these conversations happen? It's a great question. Um, the conversation can come from, from both parties, really. Uh, but I would say most of the time the conversation is coming from uh, the charities. You know, as Jesse said, I think there is a bit of anxiety on their part because they're so used to meeting specific project timelines and delivering key performance indicators and impact reports. And so, you know, as they are adjusting to their new reality in this global pandemic, they're really having to shift focus um, and, and find new ways to implement their, their activities. And I, I will say that I think it typically does come from the charity. And so um, it's been our, our goal as a team to make sure that that process is clear, um, that we're able to communicate with them in an effective way and really help them because, um, you know, this is a challenging time for everyone. And I think these organizations are really just trying to do good work. And so we want to be able to be as flexible as possible um, you know, within the within the regulatory requirements. Lauren, um, when you're when you're in uh, in that process of having uh, a charity come to you, um, obviously, as you're saying, that's kind of a tense moment, right? That I've accepted a grant for a specific purpose. Um, is is it sort of 
uh, an issue of I can't meet the criteria, what do I do? Or do they come to you with, um, I'd like to do this instead? You know, we've been so grateful that so many charities have come to us with incredible ideas and plans for how they can implement their projects in new and innovative ways. Um, we've spoken in previous podcasts about organizations coming to us, um, you know, trying to shift their projects to, to being implemented fully digitally, for example. Um, so, you know, I think these, are, these organizations are being very innovative and creative and coming to us with with ideas and very clear plans for how they implement those, how they will implement those activities. Um, however, from time to time, they are asking us for advice, and so we've, you know, we've really focused some of our time on asking them questions of, you know, how if we shift the funding, how will you be able to do this given, you know, the, for example, the um, the lockdown measures in in your region, and really working closely with the charities to help find uh, an amenable solution. Mm-hmm. Jesse, so. Uh, when when the, the uh, Lauren is says is saying that this uh, typically comes to us from the the charity uh, who's struggling meeting a grant purpose for which they have agreed and they have accepted uh, the funding, um, does this then become a renegotiation with the donor? And what's Cap America's role in bringing uh, this to the donor and sort of working again as re-intermediary. Uh, yeah. First first and foremost, it's important to remember that with the grants that CAF America makes, we have 100% control and discretion over the use of the funds. Um, and then, and really in so doing, you know, have the ability to manage this process without consulting with the donors. However, that's not how we operate here. Um, and it's, it's, it's really important, even though, even though the, that decision is ultimately up to us, that we bring our donor into that conversation. And so what we'll do is after we work something out with the charity, we'll propose this to the donor or say, here's, here's what the charity would like to do and or here's how the timeline might shift on this project. Is this okay with you? Do you have any additional questions that you'd want us to ask? Any concerns on your end um, from your standpoint or the employee's standpoint based on um, who, who might be communicating with this organization on a regular basis? And then where we can, we'll, we'll implement or bring their feedback into the conversation and, and potentially into the new grant agreement with that organization. So this feedback loop is really important um, and, and really advises the way that we take, take these uh, changes of grant purpose. Um, but I think, you know, the, the thing to, to know here is in terms of donor response is that donors have been incredibly flexible and incredibly understanding to these, um, to these requests and these types of inquiries. Um, I really have not had much pushback from our donors on, on when we go to them, and they have not been concerned. They've been completely understanding and, and supportive of these changes, which has been really, really positive, and the charities appreciate that from both sides, that both CAF America and their donor are very willing and, and open to working with them to find amenable solutions to their challenges. Sometimes there are very big challenges that uh, come before uh, charities, and uh, the global pandemic is certainly uh, one of those. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, Jesse, I want to start talking uh, about uh, food banks and the, uh, the issues that they are facing, and certainly uh, the fault lines of social need uh, that uh, are coming to the surface during 
the global pandemic. And we will be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org on iTunes or just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, back to the Caring and Funding Podcast and our host, Ted Hart. And just a reminder that you can always find all of our uh, podcasts at CAFAmerica.org. You can also find all of our COVID-19 reports at CAFAmerica.org forward slash COVID-19 response. And there will be a fourth uh, report, volume four, uh, will be coming out next month. So uh, watch for announcements for uh, COVID-19 volume four. Uh, which will be focused on donors. We will be surveying and reporting on uh, what the experience of donors has been uh, during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Jesse, uh, before we went on uh, break, I just teased a little bit, and I I meant to tease because there's quite a story uh, to be told. You and I were talking a little bit before um, we started uh, the uh, podcast today uh, about um, the the, – experience um, and and quite moving experience the food banks are are facing um, uh, all over the world um, and the starvation uh, that is uh, coming to the forefront. Uh, We have a number of donors that are are funding food banks and communities that are in need. Um, Talk to us about some of the experiences that you've had and some of the donors that you've been working with uh, around food banks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many heartbreaking stories that are coming from from our surveys and coming from our direct work with charities around the world. But, but the story with food banks is one of them that that is really standing out um, to me and to to us at Cap America. Um, you know, one of the things to to understand about this pandemic is that there are some countries where actually the the hunger crisis is much worse than the effects of the pandemic itself of of actual of people actually becoming ill um, or dying is is we're having a starvation crisis in many countries and some of these food banks they're they're getting into positions where they're they have to turn people away um, and whether that's new new um, new clients or new beneficiaries of theirs that are coming to the food bank or regular beneficiaries that have always or for many years uh, relied on their support. And there are a lot of reasons that, that this um, has, has been occurring. You know, one of them is um, in some areas a decrease in funding, so they're just not able to support their normal operations. Um, or at the same time, some of them are seeing a huge increase in demand um, and they just can't they just can't actually meet that demand, so they're having to turn people away. And even in some areas, uh, the pandemic has caused different supply chains to be cut off and and so they're not able to get the supplies that they actually need, or in some areas, there have been food shortages because people are buying out everything in the in the grocery stores. Um, so there just have been a number of challenges that food banks have had to face that are different from, from what they've had to face in the past um, because this is such an impactful uh, crisis that that we're facing. Um, And I think one of the interesting things that, you know, some some companies and donors should consider is this, um, you know, and what we've seen is some increase in in in-kind donations. So we work with a lot of food companies or other companies where their in-kind services or products 
um, could be very impactful to a food bank that's in need, as, just as an example. Um, and so this is another area that we've been encouraging donors uh, to, to consider in terms of the support that they're providing in these communities. Mm -hmm. the, the stories of uh, different ways that funders are supporting uh, charities and the uh, stories of how charities are responding and how they how resilient charities are uh, is the reason that we are uh, producing uh, these podcasts so that both charities uh, and the donors who support them uh, can learn from these stories. And Lauren, you are sharing uh, with me uh, one uh, particular funder uh, who has been supporting a series of charities, um, and they have reached out to those charities in providing now COVID relief, more immediate relief, and have continued their long-term funding. And it's a, an interesting balancing act uh, for the long-term impact on these charities. Talk to me about how CAF America is, is helping this funder balance the COVID relief and the long-term impact uh, support uh, for these charities. Very interesting. Sure, Ted. Yes, I agree. It, it, it's a really interesting case. Um, so we have been working closely with a donor on several long-term grants that were intended to fund multi-year activities, so two to three years um, of, of grant work. Um, and this work was really focused on workforce and economic development in these regions. Um, of course, as the pandemic started to take hold, the, the donor really recognized that the beneficiaries of these programs and the charities themselves would likely not be able to continue their work without additional support, and also um, that there was, you know, there was a need for relief in other ways outside of maybe more of the, the traditional COVID-19 giving around personal protective equipment or medical care, um, and that, you know, they, these, this particular charity needed not only operational support to help them stay afloat, um, but also that the, the charities involved would need to be able to support their beneficiaries um, in, in ensuring that they had access to, um, to food to um, you know, continue some work in order to, to generate income. Um, so it was a really interesting case in that um, you know, we reached out to these organizations, we worked with them to expand their grant agreement um, and, and really fund COVID-19 relief in, in a way that we hadn't really seen with a lot of our um, more long-term uh, grant partners. When, when you're, so, so we were working with this donor before the, the, the pandemic. Um, did, it, did it seem natural for this donor uh, to reach out um, and think of providing also uh, COVID relief? Because um, not all donors have. I mean, it, it just seems interesting yeah. to me that they would add additional uh, donor support to the same charities that they were already supporting. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's really interesting, and it's something that we've seen as, um, you know, a trend and a good trend with a lot of our donors is that a lot of their COVID-19 relief work has really been focused in on some of their long-term partners. So in addition to some of the, um, the work that they're doing with uh, disaster response, they're really looking to their long-term partners to ensure that they have the funds and the resources that they need to continue their work. You know, a lot of times these donors have been working with these local charities for several years, and they have close partnerships, and 
um, it's certainly something that we've seen um, on a consistent basis is our donors turning to those partners um, to see what they need in, in a time of crisis. Lauren, it's always wonderful to you know, see our donors so in tune uh, with, the, uh, with the charities uh, that they support. Uh, Jesse, our, our Kinga Ela, our Vice President of Thought Leadership, and, and her team are so in touch with our communities and the surveys that they've been doing have meant so much to our donors. And we've learned so much about the, the charities uh, around the world uh, that we are supporting. I'm just wondering, um, in the early days, we, we learned um, a lot about the stress uh, that the charities that we were supporting uh, were under. I'm, I'm wondering what surprised you most uh, about the early days where we were learning where charities uh, were closing and about 8% of charities had to close in the early days of this pandemic. What might have surprised you most? Yeah, I think you'd think that the reason for closure so quickly would have been, you know, an issue of funding or, you know, donors just leaving very quickly um, but actually, you know, that wasn't the case. And thinking about this specific crisis that we're in, you know, most of them were, were scrambling in the beginning to understand, you know, can we stay open? Do we have the capacity to work remotely? Do our programs work remotely? Um, and there were a variety of answers to that question. Um, some of them were able to, to get up and running online quite quickly. Some of them, you know, spent weeks, you know, trying to get funding to acquire the you know, laptops and everything that they would need. But then there are some organizations that just just actually could not continue their work without being in person with their beneficiaries. Um, and I think the human trafficking example we discussed earlier is a great example of that. Um, that some services, you know, these are, these are human services in a lot of these cases, and that requires face-to-face uh, -face, uh, interactions with, with beneficiaries. And so, you know, many of the organizations that closed in the very beginning closed simply just because they, they could not continue their work um, due to those limitations. Now, so bringing this story forward, and again, uh, uh, Kinga, Ila, and her team continue uh, to sort of tell the story of uh, this global pandemic from a philanthropic point of view. And as I shared uh, earlier, already starting to work on volume uh, four, which will be released uh, next month. Um, are donors shifting their giving to new regions? Are we seeing uh, giving following the pattern of the coronavirus uh, around uh, the world? Are we seeing a shifting uh, in patterns from uh, a long-term giving at CAF America, or what, what are we seeing in terms of giving today versus, uh, the, you know, just a few months ago in the early days of this pandemic? For the most part, donors have been sticking to the regions where they, they typically give, which I think is um, good to some extent. You know, you want to see uh, in, in this in this time, lots of the charity partners and others want to see some stability. So. Um, it's been great to see that there's been a lot of consistency. I think one thing that's been really interesting is that um, some of our donors have continued giving in the regions where they normally do, but then they're expanding outside of that a bit. And we've started working in countries that uh, we don't work in quite frequently, to be honest. Um, and, and that's you know, been an interesting challenge uh, to develop new relationships in these countries and, and try to get funding there quickly. Um, 
so, it, and I think, you know, in terms of the corporate donors, it's that that funding in new countries has come from a desire to support all of the different areas where they have employees, regardless of the number of employees they have there in some cases, which um, might be why that they hadn't funded there previously. It's just they had a smaller employee presence. Um, but, yeah, it's been great to see donors sort of thinking outside of the box a little bit and trying to understand where the most need is and, and to ensure that all of their employees know that they're, they're being considered and supported in this crisis. Jesse Graff, Senior Vice President of External Affairs at CAF America, and Lauren Previty, Senior Director of Donor Services. Thank you so much for sharing with us today these questions you have and answers that you need from the front lines of philanthropy. You've been listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast, powered by CAF America. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our archives, sign up for our free newsletter, and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast.